just the way you are. Wow. 
quite an ending there. <laughs> Bruno must have fallen over something. Uh, this is Craig Rainbow Radio and Saturday morning here in Laguna Beach, a foggy morning. And boy, what a week it has been. And what a, what a lot of things we have to cover this morning. But first, we always like to start off with the weather. Today, 72 degrees is going to be the high. Some clouds this morning will give way to generally sunny skies for the afternoon. High 72 winds west at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Humidity is 73 degrees, 73 percent, um, which is good because, uh, you know, we like to stay hydrated and, and look our beautiful best. But for the rest of the week, be prepared. It's going to be warm for Laguna Beach. It's going to be in the mid 70s up to it's going to get close to 80 but all through the week, sunny, 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 sunny. Um, chance of rain is 5%, 2%, no rain. So it's going to be a beautiful week, everyone. I want everyone to know. <laughs> it, was a, it was a wonderful week. I have to say that last, uh, a week ago today, we had a great event at the Laguna Art Museum. And it was all about the culture and uh, history of, a, of Laguna Beach pride. I mean, of Laguna Beach LGBTQ things that go on. And uh, I'm very, um, it was, the turnout was excellent. Even our mayor was there and um, a couple city council people, which was, is always nice to feel that we have their support. And it was, the panel was uh, Ruben Flores, Sarah Kasman, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Johnson, unfortunately couldn't make it. He wasn't feeling well, but um, Chris uh, Tibbet. And uh, why am I forgetting the, the fourth one? Oh, Corey Jorgensen, Dr. Corey Jorgensen. And what a, what a robust uh, turnout, um, I guess, conversation we had. And that, again, was at the Laguna Art Museum. And I, apparently the, we're going to collaborate as often as we can uh, as we go forward. It, it should be, um, be warned. <laughs> um, I hear some feedback. I'm going to have to do some about that in a second. Uh, anyway, um, so that's the story of last Saturday. I'm going to push forward to a crazy, crazy, crazy week that's been going on um, here in, in the world and in Laguna Beach. And so uh, I have to say, um, I'm going to just jump right in here. Uh, as of yesterday, there was some stuff that happened in, uh, in Washington, D.C., and I have an epith I have an epiphany, and I'm going to share it with you. But first, before and we're going to get have one short music break here, and I'll be right back. Craig, a Rainbow Radio on KXFM 104.7. Got a lot of things to cover. Uh, we'll be right back in just a minute second here. Hold on. Now they hid my mouse. They they do that to me. I think they like to antagonize me. <laughs> Try 
That's a nice message. And let's let's keep on imagining. I again I'm I have a profound message, I feel, but I'm <laughs> I'm unanimous in that for my listeners this morning. And it's on the tales of what's going on uh maybe for the last couple of years, but it's kind of I feel like it's kind of come to uh, a peak in the last week or so with all the hearings and that are going on, and then yesterday, Roe versus Wade, and then even Clarence Thomas, one of the Supreme Court justices, suggesting that we should re-examine gay marriage. And all of those things, um, you know, they affect you as much as we say, you know, maybe we think, oh, that's just more rhetoric. But anyway, I had an epiphany, and I and it comes back to an interview on 60 Minutes with Trevor Noah that that caused me to have this epiphany. So bear with me. Let me, I'll bring it all together here and it'll make sense. Perfect sense. It'll be brilliant, no doubt. (laughs) Sometimes I have moments of brilliance. So um, human nature has a lot to do with our responses to many things. We've discovered that we have um, in our DNA, uh, almost a conditioned response to many, many things. When they interviewed Trevor Noah, they, he's, um, He's from South Africa, as you may or may not know, and and he became came through uh, more recently um, in the last two or three years to become very very popular and host even the um, uh, the press awards with uh, President Biden recently, um, the international press awards in Washington D.C., which is a very prestigious thing to be the MC for. And he's uh, come of his own, let's just say. And he is very good at using humor. Like Reader's Digest says, uh, humor is the best medicine. And he takes many, many difficult um, topics 
and um, put some humor in them that kind of diffuses a few things and, and maybe gives you a different perspective. But anyway, it's, it's a good way to approach many things in life, even difficult things. And I, I, I applaud that. But he did have an observation about he, what he felt about the United States. And he says, there is a lot of anger out there. And, and that, indeed, anger was my takeaway from this interview. And I started thinking about it. And <clears throat> I looked at so much anger on so many levels that it, it's very disheartening. And I think, why is there so much anger? Well, you know, let's look at the logical side of that. Maybe there is a, a really good reason why there's a lot of anger. And, and maybe it's something we should, you know, grapple with, get a little better, bit better understanding. <clears throat> I, I suggest this. Uh, anger is an inherent part of every human being. It's, it's part of our DNA. And it's a conditioned response. Um, I would suggest that perhaps um, social media and a lot of uh, news media has discovered that to provoke a response, if you can get someone's ire up and their anger, you get a response. And it's a very easier, much easier button to push than the other side of things. And it's just like when uh, you go to a restaurant and you look for reviews, you look for the negative reviews, sure, certainly get a lot more press coverage than the positive reviews. And uh, that goes with just about anything. And so I think our social media and our news media have become real, real powerful experts at exploiting anger in, in our culture. And they use that anger to get the hits and the and the pushes and the and the um, what do they call it the uh, when when you on on uh, YouTube uh, bait the click baits uh, with anger with a headline that that provokes anger oh I don't like that oh that sounds awful oh oh let me let me read that that sounds oh oh yeah. And they push all those buttons and they make you angry. Whether the whether the the lead-in is true or not, they've gotten you to push the button. And and it's what a lot of the whistleblowers are saying about Facebook in particular. So, okay, let's say that anger begets anger begets anger. And the more you feed anger, the more anger there becomes. And what Trevor Noah is saying is that we are thriving on a culture now of anger. And it's not a healthy, that's not a healthy thing. It comes back to the Native American when the young brave said, Father, how do I become a good person? And Father said, you have two spirits in you, son. And um, one is a good spirit and one is a bad spirit. You need to feed the good spirit and starve the bad spirit. In other words, feed the love and starve the hate. And I thought that was a really interesting metaphor. And it's about, it's about the, um, if, you get, if you've got dogs that are misbehaving, feed the loving dogs and starve the hateful ones. I don't know, maybe it's not such a good metaphor there, but yeah, you get my gist. Uh, and so uh, feed the truth and starve the lies. Uh, and that comes back to what's going on in, in, um, in our, the hearings. Now, so with that, having said that, let's say that there's a lot of hate out there. 
uh, or anger out there. I hate to call it hate. <laughs> I want to call it anger. And it's an instinctual response. And social media is, uh, they're experts at getting our our anger up because that means revenue, that means hits, that means money. And we're all being, not all, but a lot of people are being sucked into it. That's the big machine. You know, that's what, it, that's what it's all about. Uh, quite honestly, that's what it's all about. That's what I feel. And and uh, whether you're a Fox Media or whether you're MSNBC or whatever it is, they're all guilty of it. Whether you're Democrat or Republican, it's all about anger. You got to hate the Republicans. You got to hate the Democrats. Got to hate everyone and and get angry about it. That's how it. That's how it seems to be working today. But what happens when that goes on is that you forget to look at what is the answer, and and we and we we look at the result or the symptom and not the source of the problem. And that comes back to Roe versus Wade. Amazing. Now, is that a big trip? <laughs> let me, let, but let me explain. I last night looked at a lot of, you know, those lying justices, those liars. How could Thomas, a black dude, how could he do this? And then talk about gay rights. And they went on and on, all this, all this anger and hatred going on. But this is my response. And it's, it's really clear. And I think often the resolve of a problem is painfully boring and easy in front of you that it gets ignored. And the anger and the hate and the, all the other stuff, the noise gets in the way from to the solution. And the solution is really simple. You know, dare I say I might suggest a solution to Roe versus Wade? And it comes back to high schools. I feel like something I learned in high school. So let me share with you my thoughts on a very sensitive topic with very people. And also I want to share with you a personal experience that I had with my own mother with Roe versus Wade. So here's what it says. I, I, this is what I say. And I, I don't get it. In high school and social studies, I learned the basics about our three branches of government and, and how our government functions. I learned that the Supreme Court's responsibility was simply to interpret the laws. That's their far-reaching responsibility, interpret the laws. They had no politics. They had no favorites. They had no agenda. They were not Republicans or Democrats. They were impartial, and that's all they did was interpret the laws. And I also learned that the legislators and the people through their legislators, set the laws. So if you're upset with what the Supreme Court has determined, they are interpreting the laws that our legislators have established in our Constitution and in all the other laws that are close to the Constitution or support it. It's that simple. So to me... It is not to blame the, those who interpret the laws as much as it is to blame the, those who wrote the laws. And, and if the social attitudes change over the years, it makes sense that the people should look at the legislators to change the laws <laughs> and to amend the laws, if that's the case, and to keep the new attitude, to keep the new attitudes and the norms of a new generation in step with the community the our founding fathers allow amendments to the constitution and it's it's recognized that they did that for a purpose that they recognize that things may change cultures may change and it's totally appropriate to amend a constitution in fact there have been amendments as we all know 
and that's that's part of our democracy. That's part of the structure of the democracy. So let's look at what the remedy, the true remedy is, and that is the legislature, which apparently don't do a lot lately. It seems that they don't respond to other issues that so we need to vote. We need to get legislatures in there that change, that establish the laws that the courts can interpret uh, the laws that the laws that we want, not the laws that are on record that we seem to be very unhappy with. That's my opinion, and I think that's a structure that's been there forever and ever. <clears throat> and so, in, in essence, getting upset at the the court is like shooting at the messenger. The messenger is the court. They're they're looking at the laws and doing their best, I feel, to interpret what they feel the laws mean. Uh, and and if people want to say they're all political or all whatever, whatever, they can say whatever they want, but that's their job. And if you give them an assignment and and they're they that's the way they see it, maybe you need to change the assignment, <laughs> which is change the laws. And so they reflect what more what the people want. Um, I do think that perhaps maybe a bit, a, a few more people on the Supreme Court would be a good idea. So there's an amendment, amendment, get a few more people on there. These things can be taken care of. So that's my epiphany that, that anger is the rule too often the rule of the, the roost lately. And it's capitalized and monetized. Oh, it is monetized with, from uh, Twitter to TikTok to all of them, they've they've become masters at evoking this uh, uh, a hatred, an anger, let's say, and which becomes a hatred, but invoking anger, which gets the hits, which develops the noise that that drags us away from what the real remedy is. And I feel like the real remedy is our legislatures need to get the laws that our courts interpret correctly. Um, well, as they should. I shouldn't. That, that makes it sound like they're not interpreting it correctly. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not judging their interpretation here. I'm telling you what I'm saying. What I think their job is, and and what uh, le- the legislature's job is. And so, to me, it made sense. I. I it says that our founding fathers indicated that amendments are part of the process. A process of evolution and changes that keep in time with an evolving democracy. So I I said, (laughs) but what do I know? High school social studies, that's where I learned this. So maybe the, maybe uh, Congress should go back to high school and, and, and uh, you know, the public, let's not, let's not say we need to replace all the Supreme court justices. It's, it still comes back to Congress. So that's my, uh, (laughs) that's my dissertation on, and that also comes back to um, the gun lobbies and all those other things. Uh, we, we like to get upset about what needs to be done. And I think I suggested a, a resolution, uh, a simple one with the guns. But <laughs> I'm being very controversial here. But it's not, we should treat the uh, gun situation like we did. I, this sounds really tacky, but like cigarettes, you know. Uh, we went to the manufacturers and said, "Listen, if you're going to uh, if you're going to sell a product in the United States, whether it's uh, USDA approved meat, or 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 you're going to fly an airplane, or you're going to do anything that puts the public at risk, 
you have a responsibility to sell your product in a manner that is uh, responsible and safe for the common good of the of the community and put those restrictions on everyone can have a gun everyone can smoke everyone can drive a car they can do all these things but there are certain restrict sensible restrictions with regard to the use of an automobile or flying an airplane or the type of how the food is processed so it's safe or how drugs are dispensed so they're safe and i think that's all part of it um you know uh even getting a pet <laughs> you have there's certain criteria uh that uh make it much more difficult to get a pet than a gun so i think that's the i think that's the right approach it's a simple approach and um and then let's go back to that thing hate um well first of all feed the love starve the hate but if you want to be hateful about something it's leaded gas, okay? <laughs> it's lead. <laughs> lead. Go on YouTube and look what lead has done to our world. It's as bad as just about anything that's been out there, and it's been perpetrated upon the on us. That is something I really, honestly feel we can get behind and be angry about. That's that's a worthy angry thing, and um, it's destroyed. It's hard. It's one of those things that's not in your face, but um, history is exposing it finally for what it's worth. Um, my dad was in World War II. He was a mechanic in the, uh, in Germany. He had um, sixty five troops, and they maintained vehicles um, near the front lines. And then he came back, and he had a business where he he had. Uh, worked on vehicles in construction with his own business for years. I remember him washing his hands in leaded gas. Everyone did. We've cl he cleaned out the engine parts and restored engines using leaded gas. He got leukemia and died. A lot of people, you, you don't know the damage that lead has been absorbed. It's a toxic metal and uh, your body cannot uh, pull it out. It, it And the most... Ever heard the expression "mad as a hatter"? Wonder where that came from. <laughs> In olden days, a, a hat maker, which a haberdashery, uh, used uh, a lot of lead in the process of making the hats and forming them, and that was accepted. Well, a lot of those hat makers went nuts, and they didn't really know why. They, the, so there became the expression "mad." They were mad as a hatter, like losing their mind. It was lead or the lead in the in the Greek baths when they had the steam baths. They used leaded pipes. They didn't know, but too many too many lead baths were not good. <laughs> and so they discovered in the early 1800s that I think it was I think it was um, Benjamin Franklin even stated that the lead uh, was really bad. But nonetheless, we needed to have a, an internal combustion engine that did not pre-ignite, and they discovered this thing called ethyl. If you want to get upset about something, get upset about ethyl. <laughs> go, go watch a YouTube thing. So that's my message. There's more damage done from ethyl gas and lead in our, in our gasoline than paint or anything else that's out there. And to this day, it is still used in... Uh, in non-regulated 
fuel consumption in small airplanes. And, and they found that near airports that uh, downwind from airports that young adults have a high, high uh, content of lead in their system, much higher than what, and there's no acceptable level of lead in your system. They can't find any acceptable level. It's all bad. It's like, you know, some of me you say your body can tolerate it. No, Mm-mm, no, 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 no. So anyway, that's my, that's my epiphany that I had regarding anger. And, and I do think that it's really helpful to smile and, 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 and feed the love and, um, and just remember perhaps that when you read uh, or see something that gets you angry, that that's their response they want to provoke in you. And it's an instinctual response. And sometimes you can kind of pull yourself away and maybe be a little more objective and, and realize that there is a sensible solution and that there is a reasonable response we can have. And perhaps we don't have to be angry all the time. And that's Craig Cooley's uh, well, and I did that. I came up with that without even having a bottle of wine. I just, it just came naturally. So apparently I don't have too much lead poisoning because I still have some semblance of a brain. They said, well, yeah, I do. <laughs> so that's my message. And I'm sticking to it on this Saturday morning here in lovely Laguna Beach, KXFM 104.7, Craig and Rainbow Radio. We're going to take a short music break here. Love you all for tuning in. I'll be back with on this week in history.
you getting that dance fever there? With <laughs> That song is called Venice Beach. Um, and so be it. It's not anywhere you'll find it. It's a very unique uh, song. <laughs> On this day in history, June 25th, the, oh, is today? Yeah, today is the 20th. I was thinking today was the 26th. Oh, oh, come on, Craig, wake up. On this day in history, um, on this week in history, we're starting off here. Uh, on, in 1962, the United States Supreme Court rules that Manuel Enterprises, that's what it says, versus Day, whoever that is, <clears throat> that photographs of nude or semi-nude men designed to appeal to homosexuals do not are not obscene and may be sent through the mail. How about that? In 62. So, I, I mean, I would think not. <laughs> All right. In 1972, this is a good one. The United Church of Christ becomes the first mainstream U.S. denomination to ordain an openly gay man, William Johnson. In 1978, San Francisco Gilbert Baker debuts the first rainbow flag design. 30 volunteers have died and sewn two gigantic banners featuring his design of the city's annual Gay Freedom Day Parade, uh, which this year draws 350,000 participants, 1978. He recently passed, the guy that designed that, Gilbert Baker. But um, anyway, it's everywhere now. <laughs> it festoons the city <laughs> in 1978. Spurred by the a recent spate of gay rights defeats across the country and by the new threat of, from California's Proposition 6, San Francisco's Gay Freedom Day Parade draws an estimated 350,000 marchers. The parade culminates in a rally at City Hall where Harvey Milk delivers his now famous Hope speech. In 1987, in San Francisco, Arts and Athletics Incorporated versus the United States Olympic Committee the United States Supreme Court rules that the gay games cannot use the word Olympic in its name because of the trademark held by the United States Olympic Committee. Bummer. I remember when it was the uh, gay Olympic games. Uh, and they had to change it. In 1989, the U.S. Postal Service becomes the first federal agency, agency to extend official recognition of the gay and lesbian rights movement by a lesbian and gay pride stamp in suing a one commemoration of the 20th anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising. Moving along to June 26th in 1935. Whoa, we're going way back. <laughs> Didn't know history was that long ago. Um, you know, back to my, my earlier conversation about feed the love, starve the hate. I think that's what Jesus Christ was saying 2,000 years ago. Feed the love, starve the hate. And it's still valid today. I got to toss that out there. <laughs> Another one of my random thoughts. Okay, back to on this day in history. In 1935, the Nazis add to paragraph 175 of the criminal code, a male who commits a sex offense with another male or allows himself to be used by another male for a sex offense shall be punished with imprisonment. With the amendment to the law for the prevention of offspring and heresy and disease, which allows for the additional punishment if the man is consented, the new law defines gays as, as socials, A-S-O-C-I-A-L-S, -S, as socials. Hmm. 
who are a threat to the Reich and uh, the moral purity of Germany. Chronic homosexuality will be treated with incarceration and are in a concentration camp. Lovely. That's 1935. In 1988, Art Angus is the first San Francisco mayor to ride in a gay pride celebration parade. Thank you, Art. <laughs> in 2003, the Supreme Court of the United States strikes down all remaining U.S. state sodomy laws in Lawrence versus Texas. How about that? <laughs> Moving along to June 27th on this day in history, 1952, McCarran-Walter Immigration and Nationality Act bars immigrants afflicted with psycho psychopathic personality, a phrase that is interpreted uh, to include all homosexuals. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, lovely. You can't be come into the U.S. if you're a homosexual because you have a psychopathic personality. Mm-hmm. 52. Uh, I wonder when that got torn down. 1972, Gay News, England's first national gay newspaper, makes its debut. In 1994, Deborah Batts becomes the first openly gay LGBTQ U.S. federal judge. Oh, good for you, Deborah. In 2010, same-sex marriage in Iceland is legalized with Prime Minister Johanna Strobotten and her partner Janina Liusdraten among the first to make use of the law. How about that? Moving along to June 28th in 1934, Germany, approximately 300 Nazi party members are arrested uh, and murdered in a purge ordered by Adolf Hitler that becomes known as the Night of the Long Knives. The most prominent victim of the purge is S.A. Brown Schertz, Chief Ernst Rohm, a gay man whom Hitler accuses of having formed a subversive homosexual clique. Click. Uh, one year later to the day, the government enacts a new stricter legislation against male same-sex eroticism, partly formalizing the ongoing Nazi persecution of gay men. That is lovely. I did not know that. 30,000 Nazi party members are arrested and murdered. Um... Apparently, they didn't have uh, gays in the military. Oof, that's not funny, Greg. In 1969, uh, late night and into the early morning hours the next day, patrons of the Stonewall Inn in New York's Greenwich Village fight back during a police raid sparking three days of riots and the modern gay pride movement. 1969. 1970, Christopher Street Liberation Day marks the first anniversary of Stonewall riots in New York City with the first gay rights parade. Ah, in 1970, in U.S. history. Simultaneously, marches take place in Los Angeles and Chicago. In, 19, in 2010, this U.S. Supreme Court of the United States rules in Christian Legal Society versus Martinez that public universities may refuse to recognize students' organizations with discriminatory membership policies. Okay, that's cool. <clears throat> Moving along to June 29th, in 1969, the Medicine Society Committee of New York City issues a flyer urging organized demonstrations in protest of the previous night's police raid on the Stonewall Inn. Mm -hmm. 69 was a popular year. 
in, 20, in, in 1981, <clears throat> two 15-year-old Indiana boys are stabbed to death by a 37-year-old gay man in a parking lot in Burnham, Illinois. They later caught and charged the murder and armed robbery. With armed robbery. Mm. So they, they charged the murderer with armed robbery. Uh, so uh, the two 15-year-old boys stabbed a gay man to death, and they were charged with armed robbery. Okay. In 2006, the U.S. Supreme Court of Arkansas confirms a lower state court judgment ruling that it is unconstitutional to ban lesbians and gays from being foster parents. That's Imagine that in 2006 and in Arkansas. Wow. Who would have thought? And moving on to June 30th in 1969, there's that year again. In Kew Gardens, Queens, a vigilante group cuts down all trees and bushes in part of a local park popular as gay male cruising area. Lamenting the loss of greenery, the New York Times runs nine different articles on the ensuing controversy. The Stonewall Uprising and the connected protests in the preceding days are mentioned in a, a total of three times. In 1969, Ben Patrick Johnson, Los Angeles-based U.S. actor, model, voice over artist, writer, and activist is born. In 1981, Florida Governor Bob Graham signs into law a so-called Trask Amendment, which prohibits the appropriation of any state funds to universities that grant, grant recognition to gay student groups. The amendment is later struck down as unconstitutional by the Florida Supreme Court. Thank you. Florida Supreme Court. Usually the court is on the side of human rights and good things, usually. But they're again, they're just interpreting the law. In 1986, in Bowers versus Hardwick, the U.S. Supreme Court rules that the U.S. Constitution, as well as the as the precedents of uh, judo-Christian prohibitions and Anglo-American sodomy laws, gives states the rights to regulate and prescribe same-sex relations. Hmm. Okay, in 1993, Ireland decriminalizes same-sex relations for consenting adults and sets the age of consent at 17 for all sexual activities. And moving along to July, we are so close to July. Um, in 1919, now that's going a little bit back before my time, in Berlin, Mangus Hirschfeld opens the Institute of Sexual Research in Berlin. In 1934, the Hayes Code, a self-regulatory code of movie ethics, discourages filmmaking from including frank depictions of sex and sexuality instituted by the motion picture producers and distributors of America becomes mandatory. The code is nicknamed after the head of the organization, a former Republican National Committee Chairman H. William H. Hayes. Among its provisions, pictures shall not infer that low forms of sex relationships are the accepted or common thing, and sex perversions or any inference to it is forbidden on the screen. And there you go. And then you have to, so what is a, 
There goes the uh, definition of sex perversion. Uh-huh. In 1975, California and Washington decriminalized private consensual adult homosexual acts. 75. Hmm? 76, Indiana decriminalizes consensual adult homosexual acts. And in 1996, the United States U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit vacates and remands the district court in Abel versus the United States of America, which had ruled the military's gay exclusionary don't ask, don't tell policy unconstitutional. See, there to go the courts have done a lot of good things. I mean, this Roe versus Wade means we need to change the laws. The legislatures need to change it. It's not, and the courts are in, just interpreting it. Okay, 2000, I go on too long. 2000, the year 2000, Vermont civil union law goes into effect, granting most state-level marriage rights to register same-sex couples. And there you have, on this day in history, 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 or the week. <laughs> I do a week at a time. It's much easier that way. Yeah. So um, what time is it? Speaking of time. Oh, yeah. We're going to take a short music break like I like to do. And then I'm going to come back with right-wing groups target pride events and rising anti-LGBT rhetoric. Oh, <laughs> there's so much more news. Anyway, I want to talk about why um, I'm going to be back and talk about why Laguna Beach needs a gay bar. How about that? That's a good topic. <laughs> Feeling warm and bright, it's such a fine night. 
moonlight. The next best thing to dancing in the moonlight is is a gay bar in Laguna Beach. And that goes out to Lynn in the UK. Hopefully she's listening. Uh, let's see. So I promised you I would go wax on a little bit more here about uh, there's uh, I was approached by a an editor for the uh, LA Times and there's going to be an article coming out shortly. I'm not sure when, but it's going to be a bit about Laguna Beach and the LGBTQ community and kind of what's happening. And in the interview recently, he came back to me after writing this, working on this uh, article. Um, he wanted to know why I thought be, be, that perhaps Laguna Beach needed a gay bar. And I thought, well, we, I, I, you know, I, I, and I thought, I, I need to answer that. I need to answer it succinctly. Succinctly and clearly. So I thought about it and I came up with something. And this is my response because um, I, I didn't want to just gloss over it. I wanted to truly explain why. And maybe in that process, um, it validates things I thought, but I hadn't really put words to. Okay. So, like music choices of your favorite eth or your favorite ethnic food, there are a variety of drinking clubs and establishments. There's country western, there's sports sports bars, Irish pubs, there's pretentious martini bars, there's neighbor neighborhood cheers type bars, dance club hip uh, Latin salsa bars, et cetera, et cetera, and gay clubs of of many varieties. Yes, but with a gay bar, there are is one important caveat, and it's about it being a home. And with that being a family. So I want to explain what that means. I feel more often those in the LGBTQ community may not have had a strong home or the blessings of a healthy and loving family experience by the nature of their, let's say, their condition. That often they reach out to find a home in other locations. Um, in other words, their given home is not so welcoming. And often their other location is a gathering place where others whom are cut from a similar cloth, a club or a restaurant where a family gathers. And it's very important for many and many for many decades, it's been a safe haven where you can truly be yourself. You can laugh, you can have fun, you can speak freely, you can hold hands with the one you love without fear of retribution. And often for many, it's a positive diversion when that uh, subverts debilitating thoughts about suicide. This is true. Provoking a long lost smile, a little laughter, and incite a little dancing, and, and presents an opportunity to have a family of sorts. A family to fill that missing need in our hearts, a need of belonging and a need of friendship. That's why it's important. And why do I think that this is how it happened, how I came about? Just a few years ago, I was at a Thanksgiving dinner at a dear home of a dear friend of mine here in Laguna Beach. I was asked to offer a few words about our, before we began our meal. And I distinctly remember looking around the table and the, the small gathering of friends and feeling really blessed. But I also realized that they were all friends um, and that none of the people gathered there uh, including myself, had an immediate family members present. Um, we were all just friends. Well, I don't mean just friends. We were all friends. And I had an epiphany and realized that for many in the LGBT community, while we have family and, and while they're not present, we also have friends and that 
Perhaps the greatest blessing we can have is a family of friends. We create a family of friends. And friends that feel so endeared and loved that they need, that have indeed become our family in so many ways. Um, in this home on Thanksgiving Day, I was so blessed with my family of friends that I said so in a few well-chosen words to my dear friends and many teary-eyed loving responses there were. Um, it's time to recognize it. <laughs> um, so there it is, the answer uh, is being a home and in the presence of others, a home that brings a family of friends together, a special home that understands the importance of a family and sharing of life's similar experiences and understanding of the many intimacies of a culture. Sounds crazy, but that is often what a gay bar is. It means a great deal more. It's less about the brick and mortar of a bar, club, or restaurant, and more about the home, a home and friends that it would, it would bring together. A home that is shared and inclusive for everyone, but it is a home with the same laughter of friends and family, not just somewhere to visit as a guest. So that's my dissertation. Boy, I have a lot of dissertation. I got, I got my soapbox out today. <laughs> Anyway, that's that's why I feel it would be great to have that home here again in Laguna Beach, and uh, it would be a thriving home, I'm sure. I do know, I do know when we had our Pride event a few years ago at the Boom. After many years, there was such a crowd, such a, people I hadn't seen in years that came from near and far. Oh, I'm out of time. Wow, when you're having fun, Ida May is here, I see. Anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in. Craig here on Rainbow Radio. I'll be back again next week with more dissertations, I'm sure. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Go out and embrace it and feed the love. Feed the love and starve the hate. That's what I say. That's the message of the day. Thanks for tuning in. See
Good morning, everyone. This is Ida May. I'm here alive and well, right here at KXFM. And uh, yeah, there's a lot going on in our world right now, but I want to thank the hardworking staff here at KXFM and to all the listeners and supporters of Community Radio. We are all so proud of our little station that roars. And speaking of roaring, boy, oh boy, what a huge setback for women's rights and a huge setback for our democracy. I know y'all know what I'm talking about. The Justice of the Supreme Court, three Trump appointees lied through their teeth under oath to get on the Supreme Court to do what they swore they would not do. This court has given gun owners more rights than women. Gun owners can defend themselves and us gals cannot. So with that, I'm going to start my show with Peggy Seeger's uh, old song. She's Pete Seeger's uh, sister. Uh, she, this is her song, Judge's Chair, right here on KXFM. This is Ida May and Radio Neighboring for the next hour or two. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting me. He took the girl with the long brown hair. He took the one with the curls. He took me and the devil may care and Jimmy's good with the girls. Come and walk in the autumn woods. Come and walk in town. She walked with him to the end of the earth, and together they lay down. Annie, the light that's in your eyes tells your lover's name. Annie, the hope that's in your heart will turn to grief and shame. Sunday, Monday, passing by, Thursday, Friday, too. Annie walks in the winter sun, a week past she was due. Two weeks, three weeks, passing by, three and four and five. Annie walked in the winter rain and wished that she could die. December passed, the new year gone, judgment day has come. The doctor sat in the judge's chair.